This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. It's storytelling. For some who had found success, they had good storytellers in among their executive team. They did also note they had a very formal process for cascading goals. And so perhaps one of the other lessons learned here is that to translate, we need to make it tangible and real to employees. How do you take what feels like a high lofty strategic objective and get it down to a goal that is personal to someone? Welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Trevor Durin. I have with me today my two practice mates, Jennifer O'Connor and Janelle Kwan, as we have hosted our now fourth and final of the year strategy exchange. They were all extremely popular among our strategic planning leaders at leading health systems across the country. We're excited to share with you some of the key discussion topics, some of the key findings, and things that really popped out to us as key takeaways. This discussion focused on executing strategic priorities and on the strategic plan. So less about the planning process and more about how to make it work once the strategy is created. Janelle, we sent out a pre-work survey, great participation in that, and as always, some really good key nuggets of learning and information. What did you pull out as some of the key findings? I think we were really curious around knowing how big a role communicating the plan plays in ultimately its success. We asked them, how are you getting that information out beyond the people that were intimately involved in developing the plan? And it's really clear health systems are using a bunch of different modalities to be able to reach different audiences. About half of them said, we're making sure that that plan is cascaded across different parts of the organization, business units, service lines, facility sites. And often that was happening in person, but increasingly leveraging some digital tools as well, whether it's email, virtual, intranet, and then trying to find the right way to be able to tailor that messaging for specific audiences that are perhaps more removed from the process itself. And we also asked organizations, what are the sort of metrics or data you're using to measure your success? They gave us a pretty extensive list, but there were three clear winners that percolated to the top of the list. Not surprisingly, some financial performance, volume, share volume, some of the quality outcomes were definitively the top three metrics that they were using to measure success. Interestingly enough, very few of those surveys said that they're actually incorporating those scorecards or metrics into their continuous communication of the plan, which I think helps suggest initial conversations are happening, but there's probably some room or opportunity to keep people updated on where they are relative to that plan. Jennifer, Trevor, anything else? I think there's a lot of data points, so hard to kind of pick which ones stand out the most. We love picking the brains of our strategy leaders, and they've been generous in what they've shared with us and with each other. The thing that struck me in the results that you were just walking through was that idea of communicating via digital some sort of digital means. We know digital strategy is top of mind for many of our health systems. And yet when they were honest on the survey, it was a pretty small number who sound like they're doing much creative in the way of getting the message out beyond those town hall forums, which we've all known and done for years. That person-to-person connection when we can make that happen is important for people to make it real. The reality is we have a YouTube generation that is a huge part of our workforce now. And only a small handful talked about working on short video splices of their CEO delivering the message or some other executive translating it for a particular audience. I might have expected to see a bit more of that just given our consumer-focused, digital focus and the reality of having to be virtual. The last couple of years, I'm curious to see if we had this discussion again a year from now, if that would look different. 
I remember Mary Washington making a really cool video a few years ago. It was like a rhyme or a rap about they're about to start a health plan. And so to kind of roll that out, the new CEO created this thing. And we stumbled on it. And we were like, guys, this is perfect. So creative. That is by far the coolest CEO video I've ever heard of. Now I have to see it. Janelle, the other thing that I heard consistently through the survey responses and even more so in some of our small group conversations is that the art of communicating the plan is in the ability to translate it. Folks have gotten better about having a one-page summary that's easier for staff of all levels to understand and connect to. Some of our members shared examples of graphics they use to regularly reorient people in the key strategies. But the thing that everyone acknowledged they don't always hit the mark on is the ability to translate to all different kinds of staff at different levels. That's where we still have an opportunity because for as many people are out there cascading the plan and communicating the plan, and it was most of the people on this call, they also acknowledged that employees weren't necessarily as connected to the plan as we might hope. It feels like that translation is the part we'll keep working on. That tension you talked about, if that's the right word was between how detailed do we go in without overwhelming folks versus something that feels very divorced or removed from their current work. And thinking of videos, we did have one organization said that they created a video that created like a future state. Like if our plan goes accordingly, this is kind of this grand vision in that effort to make everyone feel connected. This overarching vision, regardless of what role or function you have, is going to create this future more ideal state. But yes, definitely a continued work in progress around linking relevance and specificity. For some who had found success, they had good storytellers in among their executive team. They did also note they had a very formal process for cascading goals. And so perhaps one of the other lessons learned here is that to translate, we need to make it tangible and real to employees. How do you take what feels like a high lofty strategic objective and get it down to a goal that is personal to someone? And folks have processes and systems and managers who support that and they seem to be more likely to think that their plan was communicated effectively and really understood and embraced by the full body of employees. Someone in my group was using artifacts. It's really helpful to have an artifact that people across the organization can anchor to. Now, how do you create that good visual that is universal and everyone can connect to it? That's the challenge. Someone else in the group was on the other end of the spectrum and said, we need to develop strategies that on their own are going to be easy to connect to before we think about trying to make a really good visual to communicate those. If we don't have big holistic strategies that are touching on so many of the pieces of our increasingly complex spread across markets or organization, there's no way we could ever create a visual that's going to do that. The other thing my group talked about in this vein was that all of them are tasked with creating some of the messaging slides content for all managers meeting across the organization. And these are all big health systems, 25 to 40,000 employees. So the all managers meeting is several thousand people. Same thing. How do you create a message that's both high level enough that people can understand it and at the same time make it detailed enough that people working across sites, markets, markets and roles can connect to it. The challenge for everyone was strategy doesn't run those meetings. So they felt like they didn't really have control over the messaging, how it was teed up, how it was positioned, but they viewed it as a necessity. We're going to keep having these all manager meetings. We're going to keep being expected to provide some sort of strategic overview, but there needs to be enough to let people connect to it. 
I wonder if that's why, remember in the survey results, we asked who was out communicating the message. And in some cases, fairly large number, roughly a third, it was the CEO. This was one of the ways the CEO shares his or her vision. It was firmly on their to-do list. There were almost as many, about a quarter, folks who said it was the CEO plus one. And that plus one could be a different member of the C-suite team, depending on the audience. And I wonder if those folks are able to better achieve that balance you talk about, where there can be some high-level vision from the CEO and then some translation from another C-suite leader who's the head of whatever group we're talking to. Those folks seem to feel like they had some good roadshows under their belt. And so maybe that helps us get to that balance. It's that theme again, Jennifer, of translation, translating and making it relevant for people who work most closely to those other members of the staff so that that message gets that personalization. But you're also not losing sight of that overarching visual or artifact that everyone is working towards. I heard you have to prime the lawnmower before you're going to start it. You need the operational leaders to be sending the messages before the CEO is giving the big, broad strategy so that people go into it already knowing how it's going to connect and then it all weaves together rather than after the fact trying to knit the pieces back together. It reminds me that some of our members talk about the buildup to the roadshow, particularly those that work with external communication companies and agencies. They really help prep the executive team to go out and do those roadshows to make sure the messaging is on point, on target, consistent, and yet effective that they tell a story, not just share the slides. And so it kind of reminds me of all of us in our preparation leading up to Exec Summit. There's some dry runs. They're not always super smooth, but hopefully by the time we hit the stage, we've worked all that out. I truly hope our strategy teams do less dry runs than we do. But yes, I agree. I bet it's similar. The other piece that my group spent most of their time talking about was some of the other details around how do you implement the plan? How do you stay connected to operational leaders? How do you identify who's going to be accountable early in the process? What's the right time to bring them in? What's the right way to make it clear this is a handoff, the strategy won't be involved anymore? There are some projects that there's a clear handoff and some projects that they don't, sometimes because of staffing, sometimes because the PMO office, project management office, doesn't necessarily roll up directly to strategy so they can't resource every project with the PMO. And they said, it's starting to happen where we keep coming back to the meetings with the operational leaders and they're like, we're implementing now. Why is strategy still here? It seems like we really have to do a better job communicating to our teams the role of the strategy team and how and why and when projects really get handed off. So that one made sense to me. There was a couple others. Janelle, what jumped out to you? Those with project management or PMO offices are being deliberate about how and at what point to integrate that office into the process to help provide those lanes that you talked about. For some organizations, it is all of those high visibility, high transformative projects. Having PMO and that support manage that, ones that have a lot of capital investment in it. For others, it's once projects are at a certain stage of development, they're very defined, the lanes are clear, they're ready to be executed while saving some of those projects that require some additional scoping. I think mushy, I think as one of our members described it, we'll live with strategy until they're ready for that launching process. To others saying, actually, individual business units, markets, you're going to own implementation and execution and raise your hand or you have support from the PMO office if you need that additional layer of support and implementation and execution, really a full spectrum. The organizations that said that they had found the most success in partnering, working with their PMOs are ones where there was a lot of flexibility. It wasn't just one point that they could provide that support, but at various stages and for various types of projects. 
as I think across these conversations, it reminds me of the research you and I did just before the pandemic on how the work of strategic planning was evolving. Was it becoming more centralized, less centralized? And one of the things we asked about back then was this execution piece and this idea of a project management office. And even just a couple of years ago, it was a relatively newer concept. It sounds as if many have embraced the idea of a formal home for implementation of key strategies. And about half the time it lives in strategy and about half the time it doesn't. And hearing people talk about the structure of the team and where it reports, it felt very much to me like many of the conversations we have around org structure, which is there's no right or wrong model here. Everyone's got an example of something that's worked in this structure or not worked in that structure. And it really has more to do with the realities of your organization. Ballot Health was sharing that they recently shifted their EPMO out from under their SVP over to another leader. They combined it with a lean team. Strategy is very tied to the work of the EPMO, rightfully so. They just happened to find a leader who had the skill set to really bridge those two offerings. And it made sense then to have this report in somewhere else, given the combined efforts that were happening. It's really about the talent that happens to exist at your organization in this moment. And it may shift over time, particularly given workforce right now is so fluid. So I think we'll see continued movement on where the PMO shifts, but it feels like the idea of it is here to stay. And what I heard loud and clear was no matter if it reports up through strategy or not, strategy still influences the way the PMO is going to continue to work on implementation. One great analogy I heard was strategy is a Christmas tree and everyone wants to put their ornament on the tree. And this team viewed their job as you need to tell everyone what the color scheme is going to be. And unfortunately, you have to be the one who is going to say that doesn't fit the color scheme. And it might be a great option, but you need to say no in favor of better options. He's obviously spent so much time thinking about that analogy, but I thought it was perfect. But it's intuitive and makes sense, right? Where does it fit in? Totally. The other thing I liked was coming up with the strategy glossary. We are all our own strategic planning nerds. Does anyone else in the organization want to read our strategy glossary? I don't know. I hope so. Probably like any other strategy, it's about how you implement and roll that out and communicate it to the organization. But does everyone across the 35,000 people at this organization have a good sense of what's a project, a tactic, a strategy, an initiative? Because that's going to dramatically change the way they're resourced, prioritized, and coordinated across operations and strategy. It's an important effort, but I don't think that simply creating that vocab and glossary is going to solve the problem. There's still just a lot of people to try to communicate that down to. But I think it's this larger theme of how do we create a common language that we all know what that means and what we're working towards. I also heard some of the conversations when the members said language really matters and they're being really intentional about when the language that they're using, knowing kind of the diversity of roles, functions, experiences that kind of comprise their staff. Each of our breakout groups followed a little different trajectory through their conversation. Jennifer, any tangents or nuggets that we didn't touch on yet that really stood out to you? The things to watch for the next 12 months, go back to that communication piece, see a couple of challenges that came through loud and clear. And one is this idea that we keep going through periods of disruption and what was perhaps a nicely structured formal process with regular intervals, perhaps quarterly, where we would update people on strategy. We had an opportunity to go back in front of our teams again and again and ingrain the strategy to make it real, to make those connections 
connections. We've had mergers. We've had a pandemic. We have new CEOs, lots of things getting in the way. And several organizations admitted they just aren't doing it right now. There is no communication right now about the strategy, what it is and how we're achieving it. And they feel like they have to get back to that. And we also have to acknowledge that in the next 12 months, there will continue to be challenges to that communication. Flu season is coming. The financial strains are incredible right now. We still have workforce problems. So how we get airtime on strategic issues will remain an important challenge for our strategy leaders. The second thing that came up and was really a thread across multiple conversations goes back to this idea of, do people really connect with the strategy? And part of that regular communication is actually providing transparency to why perhaps we're not making the progress we had hoped or why we changed direction, which increasingly we are required to be nimble. We change our strategic direction now, perhaps more than we used to. That idea of transparency and having that conversation in an open way with employees across levels is a little daunting. And I was fascinated by MD Anderson, who shared that actually they're still fairly virtual in their leadership meetings because of the patient population they serve. They are still not really backed in person. And one of the things that has afforded them is the opportunity to do what they call rolling strategic review forums. These are virtual forums. They put together panels of leaders. And when I say panels, I mean up to 100 leaders could get tapped to answer questions in this virtual forum. They are allowing managers, directors, more senior folks to ask questions about strategies, about decisions, about changes, and get an answer from those leaders real time. That kind of transparency engenders a real trust across the organization that everyone should know what's happening, can know what's happening, can ask questions about that. That's really impressive. When we think about our roadshow in-person forums, perhaps being forced to go virtual gives us the opportunity to do some of these things that we weren't able to do before. I think our strategy leaders in the next 12 months will work hard to get communication around the strategy back on the agenda. And increasingly, we'll look for ways to be transparent because we'll be more nimble with the strategy and we need people to understand why. Really well said. Thanks. The strategy exchanges were such a good opportunity for our members to get together and for us to learn from our members. We're looking forward to rolling out a new set of opportunities for our strategy leaders to network and learn from each other next year in 2023. Janelle and Jennifer, promise to come back and share your perspectives again on SG2 Perspectives. Always great to hear from you. Deal. Deal. Thanks so much for listening to SG2 Perspectives. As always, I really value your feedback, input, comments or ideas for episodes, and you can reach us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com. Additionally, I recommend that you check out some of the other Visient podcasts, which cover a range of clinical and operational areas. Those can all be found at visientinc.com backslash podcasts. Mm-hmm.